Cinebuds receives support from Associated Bank and Eyes on the Lake, Eye Care and Eyewear. Cinebuds, Cinebuds, two buddies talking about cinema. Hello. Hello. My name is Christopher Pollard, and I am from Milwaukee Film. And from Radio Milwaukee, I'm Dory Zori. And this is Cinebuds. And this week on Cinebuds, we're talking about the new Kelly Reichert movie, Showing Up. Hi. She's amazing. Love the green stockings. You're Lizzie, right? I can't figure out what class this is, but I really want to join it. I don't know what I'm supposed to do without hot water. My show's open on Friday. I'll be free to deal with it after that. I have a show too, you know. You're not the only one with a deadline. I know, but I have two shows, which is insane. Hey, give me a push. Yes, we're talking about Kelly Reichardt's new film, Showing Up, uh, which stars Michelle Williams. And it's about an artist who's on the verge of this big exhibition. Uh, She's navigating her family, her friends, her colleagues, all leading up to this show and all the chaos that surrounds it. I love that the first 10 minutes for this film started off for me, Christopher. I knew what the plot was, but it starts off in the most mundane everyday conversations. (laughs) Every, did you call your dad today? What are you eating for dinner? Like I love when a film kind of starts off gently and just kind of scoops you into whatever world you're about to be with for the next 90 minutes. (laughs) That's a good way to say that. But it's not action packed and it's not like a laugh out loud comedy. You're just kind of getting an idea of Michelle Williams character, Lizzie and like what her life's like. And much like you're an artist, it's not all rock and roll, Christopher Pollard. <laughs> no, it's mundane. A lot of it is mundane. But it's really interesting. This is a movie where, it, like you said, it does start off slow. And uh, then it, I mean, when I say builds, it's not building to like rocket ship speed. But you do see these layers added on to her life and her character. Uh, also, the artwork that she makes, which I was fascinated by. And the artwork that everyone makes in the film, because it's this like... Portland Art and Craft School, which oh. I believe I genuinely may have visited the campus of this. Oh, really? Uh, if it's the same thing. Uh, but it's very interesting. And that whole culture. And I, I really, I really enjoyed it. I'm a big Kelly Reichard fan. And so this was an interesting, it's not, I want to call it a departure because it's more like some of her earlier stuff. So I'm not familiar with Kelly Reichardt's films, but because of this, I want to go back and watch because now that I know how her storytelling goes and kind of unfolds, I'm so into it. And one of the the most interesting things, like the turn for me that I thought, oh, this is really layered and I need to pay attention, yeah. is when they actually showed Lizzie's art. Yeah. She kind of seems like a super bland, boring person. And then you show her <laughs> yeah. sculptures and you're like, ooh, yeah, yeah. she's got some stuff she's working out. <laughs> These are cool and weird and kind of scary and a little dark and also a little disturbing. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's coming out of this sweet kind of like seemingly <laughs> dowdy. dowdy. It's going to mm-hmm. be great. We're going to talk more about the film showing up and about Kelly Reichert. I'd love to chat about her a little bit. And Michelle Williams. We have a lot to talk about. So stick around. We've got a mission on our podcast, Urban Spelunking. And that's to show how every building tells a story. 
Hi, this is Nate Emig. And I'm Bobby Tanzillo. Even the buildings you think you know everything about are the ones that look like they're nothing special. They always tell you something unique about the city. Learn about Milwaukee through its architecture. New episodes of Urban Spelunking every Thursday from On Milwaukee and 88.9. Subscribe to Urban Spelunking in your podcast app and check out hundreds of past episodes in our archive. All right, we are back mm-hmm. talking about Kelly Records showing up her newest film, which starts slow and builds to a slightly less slow. <laughs> it does. So the neat part about the first third of the film, um, I was watching on my computer with my headphones on, and this the film, like we were talking about, is kind of slow. Yeah. But the noises and the background sounds like she lives in Portland, right? Yeah. But all like I thought I was sitting outside watching this, the detail that they had with the sound design, because yeah, yeah. a lot of times there's not a lot of dialogue was really beautiful and natural. And it almost made me think there's no way they did the sound design after in a studio like yeah. they just had microphones everywhere capturing every sound from her tiny studio and what her cat was doing to outside with like conversations and buses and birds yeah um i don't know why i've been so like in tune to sound yeah, design you lately You've, i've noticed yeah um, i mean it's an important thing and especially being in an audio uh, industry that is true that makes sense to me but i yeah so i really loved the sound design and um as the film went on too, like, do you ever feel like when you go to the art museum and you stare at a piece of art and maybe it doesn't get you right away, but the more you look at it, the more it kind of reveals itself. That's how yeah, I felt about this film. That is a great way to say that because I feel like I'm conditioned uh, by most American movies to be like, okay, what's the next thing? But there's certain filmmakers I expect like a more thoughtful pace and I do from her and I really enjoy it. So I... I think when I went into it, I was like, I trust you, Kelly Reichert. <laughs> I know I feel good about this. So I'm going to see this through. And it really paid off for me. I really enjoyed it by the end of it. I was like, oh, I see what you did here. This is lovely. So you, you're essentially getting this character's journey, a very short journey. And you just keep getting pieces added on. You meet her mother. You realize that she works for her mother. Mm-hmm. It takes you a minute to realize. And then you meet her dad, who played by Judd Hirsch, who's getting so much work these days. I'm yeah. so excited about that. And then you meet her brother. You find out all these. And her neighbor slash co-worker slash uh, uh, landlord. Landlord. Who's played by Hong Chow, who's also been everywhere lately and doing such good stuff. She was in The Whale, which I yeah. haven't seen yet, but she was in The Menu. Oh, and yeah, I yeah. loved her in there. She was like the sassy, uh, what do you call it, maitre d' like hostess. Ma- yeah, exactly. And then she was also in an episode of A Poker Face, which we both loved. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was the trucker, I believe. Oh, yeah. Yes. No, she's incredible. The cast is great. John Magaro plays her brother, too who was the star of one of Kelly Reichard's other films, First Cow, mm. which was one of my favorite, maybe films of all time. It's like it, it, amazing movie. I was looking, because I'm not familiar with this director, writer. Yeah. First Cow got a thousand awards and nominations. Yeah. Um, I want to know more about Kelly and why you love Kelly. Well, she, I, I was, I'm like late to the Kelly show. Uh, like <laughs> everyone I know is like Kelly Record, Kelly Record, and I went and I watched an early film of hers, or I tried to watch an early film of hers. Uh, I think it was Wendy and Lucy, which is there's this dog in it, so it should have really appealed to me. But 
it was like in this phase where I couldn't deal with slow as much. Mm. So Wendy and Lucy wasn't the best gateway for me. But then I saw Certain Women, which came out a few years ago, and then I uh, saw First Cow. And then I went back and watched uh, Wendy and Lucy again. And I'm like, okay, now I'm all I'm ready. For, I'm ready for Kelly Reichardt in my life now. Um, also a great movie called uh, Night Moves, which I think she doesn't get enough attention for. But the interesting thing about her journey, I think is just personal to me that I like to see. I always said this about Wes Anderson. I loved Wes Anderson's early movies and I like his current ones too, but it's like night and day. You see, you see the bit of the style, but now it's like there's 30 A-list stars, complicated yes. plots, you know, <laughs> big, big style. But I would just love to see him go back and do a movie with like four characters just for fun to see, like just to try it out. Forget about all the resources you have. You don't need to use them all. I feel like that's flexing muscles you haven't used in a yeah. really long time to to pare something down so much and still make it fabulous. Yeah. And, and I think on a slightly smaller scale, this is what Kelly Reichert did because her last two movies got a lot more, got a lot of attention and she seemed to have more of a budget. She had more star, more stars in them. And she had like for First Cow, First Cow was like a period piece. So you have, a, there's a whole lot of, like uh, stuff you need for that that you don't need for like a more modern story. But I feel like this one, she went back a little bit and said, let's let's go back to basics, do a simple story about this character and the people in her lives. Does, is she I from loved. Portland? Because this sure. this was a fiction, but if it was based off of or maybe highlighting an actual real small art school in Portland, yeah. I think that is so cool. And just like... Being married to an artist and appreciating art but not being able to do it myself, all the moments of them just showing the different artists and their process. Like they could have just yeah. whipped through all of that, but they took the time to have beautiful shots of someone like hand dyeing something yeah, right. or sewing something or putting like that um, – uh, Joe, what was Joe's thing that she did? Like not oh, knitting. Oh, like fabric work. Fabric. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. That's an interesting, funny thing. So, yeah, she was, I just looked. She was from, uh, born in Florida, but I, she must have spent a lot of time in Oregon because a lot of her other films were, like, shot there and everything. Um, but the funny thing about this movie is it's listed in so many different databases as a drama comedy. Now, I did not laugh out loud many times during mm -hmm. this movie. I feel like the word comedy is being used here kind of loosely, but I don't think inaccurately because a lot of those scenes – of people making work, and then you hear these very art school conversations that so. seem pretentious to everybody else. I feel like there was a very loose satire also happening about art schools and how they're how they these little jealousies and they talk their work up really big. I think there was a lot of that. I think that was like the bulk of the comedy part, but it is kind of a loose use of the word. Is there a more of a like specific kind of comedy genre that this falls under? Is there a word I'm not thinking of? No, I, there may be, and I may not know it too, but I do feel like there are movies like this where I've, I see them listed as mm -hmm. comedies, or I get this vibe of like, okay, that's not meant to be taken super seriously, but I'm not like, hold it. It's not a bra. It's not a Will Ferrell joint right you know it's more of a uh, it's humorous I think because sometimes my brain <laughs> likes going in that opposite direction of comedy that that's the strongest yeah. like association to that word there's no like there's no jokes it's more of like a isn't this a absurd scenario yes 
So um, back to showing up, Christopher, yeah. I have a question for you. The bird, was the yeah. pigeon a metaphor? It seemed like a metaphor for so many different things in life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could have been. Um, I What I liked about it is that it was this odd connection she just didn't realize she was going to have. There's an injured bird in the film that she initially found to be an annoyance to have to help with, but then she clearly became attached to it. Very attached to it. I don't know it. if it was just like all the other elements of her life were so challenging and, mm-hmm. and chaotic. I yeah. mean, and some of it she brings on herself. She was very, she seems quick to frustration, but um, this was this peaceful little bird that she could help and just have in the room with her. And I feel like that was like just this moment of peace for yes. her. But I really did love that subplot where it's just, where's this pigeon that we've wrapped up in uh, bandages we're trying to help. Right. And the pigeon just really kind of becomes a plot point, especially at the end to yeah. Also, like, I was wondering if, um, you know, she's just seems so kind of common and her life before you start learning those little things just kind of seemed disposable or interchangeable with yeah. anyone else's life. But then, like, I just was wondering if, like, the pigeon comes in and it's kind of chaotic and everyone, you know, her neighbor Joe is, like, all about taking care of this pigeon yeah. and, like... Her, it just seemed like her self importance, like she kind of put on this pigeon to, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'm even explaining it properly. I feel like she was relating to this pigeon in a way that was connecting with me. I'm like, what does this say about me right now? <laughs> like, you know, I don't know. She wanted everyone to like come to her art show and have the focus be on her and people appreciate her. Yeah. But like, she wasn't that kind of person that was really asking for that. Yeah, no, that's true. It's, it's, it's a sign of a good film that it put these thoughts in your head too. But yeah, I like the, I, one version of an interpretation, I guess could be too, that Joe, who's like kind of irresponsible and kind of self-centered, but friendly, um, takes it upon herself to, to help this bird, but then puts a lot of the responsibility on Michelle Williams character. And it's almost like Michelle Williams is like, well, you're not going to do it right. Because right. I know you. So I'm going to obviously have to be the one to pick up the slack. Mm-hmm. And so it's like that martyrdom, a little bit of a martyrdom. But it ends up being a genuine like affection for the bird, too, which is really great. I like that. Because you could also see that within her relationships with her father and her mother, yeah. who are both living very different lifestyles. Right. And then how she's trying to take care of her brother. But maybe the only one that can see how sick her brother might be getting. Right. Um. Because he definitely, you could see him going down a rabbit hole of conspiracy theories. and yeah. but um, he's got some issues. His character in that little plot line, too, was really great because there was this intense, like, concern about what is he going to eventually do. Mm-hmm. When you meet him right away, you're like, he's going to do something. Mm-hmm. And I won't say, you know, if anything happens or doesn't, but the way it, it builds and then resolves or doesn't was really nicely done. Yes. Like impressively done. I, totally I will say agree. there's a little bit of comedy in there if you can, but then definitely uh, I realized the dad, Judd Hirsch's character, adds some comedy elements as well. He I'm does. just desperate to find the comedy that they listed. <laughs> Do you um, love when actors in a movie almost seem like they're not actors and they're just like people off the street? Like, yeah. I feel like a lot of those artists in the movies were maybe just actual artists. I wouldn't be surprised. I thought the same thing. I actually, I don't think this is the case, but I thought her mom was like a non-actor too. Maybe, maybe she was, but then towards the end, it seemed like 
she had some chops. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would imagine some of those background folks or even some of the ones that interacted uh, were probably from the college they filmed at, I'm guessing. Well, I feel like there were some scenes too where like maybe they didn't even know there was a camera <laughs> recording what they were saying <laughs> yeah. because those conversations were so real and yeah. mundane and art schooly. but it just made me get, it made me chuckle. So that yeah. was some comedy. There's a couple people in here who just showed up a little bit like uh, Andre 3000 Andre 3000 yeah. was in it. He was great. He was so good. And then uh another character actor I've seen a lot and I was watching with my wife and she goes, "Why are they in this? Like they barely have a role." And I said, "I bet they just want to work with Kelly Ryder." This oh. like she's one of those people right now where people are like, "I want to be taken seriously. Yeah. I want to be in a Kelly Ryder movie that That'll do it. Well, and imagine her like directing this film that is so laid back and tells this beautiful, gentle story. Like I, you can't have like crazy vibes on the set when you're trying to film stuff like this. Yeah, right? right. So just picturing like Kelly, does she do a whole thing? Like when she puts movies together, like I want to watch something about her yeah, now right. and yeah. see like what her process is because she just seems like she's so chill. If this movie has anything, is any part of speaks to who she is as a person. Yeah. I mean, her other movies, like there's always tension. It's actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it's all these kind of like low key tension. Mm -hmm. It's not, uh, the stakes aren't super high, um, but there's still stakes, yeah. you know, personal stakes, but there's a softness to some of the characters. First Cow was one of my, I have a, real soft spot for films that are typically male genres directed by women. So you have a first cow, which is a Western directed by a woman. Is it such a different um, approach and feel and has sensitivity to it? Not to be stereotypical, but there is stuff that you, has never been explored in a, in this setting or genre before. Are There's, you saying cause women actually existed during the old <laughs> West, but their stories were never told. What? And the weird thing <laughs> is it was a story about a man, Oh, <laughs> but he just had a very different, he's not the typical hero of a Western and Western loosely. It was in that era, but it was about a cook and it wasn't gunfighters necessarily. Uh, but there's like an ass assassin movie that was uh, directed by a woman that, uh, I can't remember the name of it right now, but it had Joaquin Phoenix in it. Mm. Um, and I was like, I love this genre and I love this version of this genre. So it's fascinating just, I mean, realizing, hey, we should not uh, <laughs> laugh at the idea of taking genres that are just, these are for men. Right. It's like, yeah, and you make the same one over and over again. Mm -hmm. So this is, yeah, she's, I have a big soft spot for her. Well, now I do too. Thank you, yeah. Christopher. Um, any final words about showing up? Is there any questions that kind of come to mind that we could put out there for people that listen and can go to our Instagram? Um, are there any subtle movies, like small, subtle, not big bang smash movies mm. that are really that you have an affection for? Just these sweet or even sour. Yeah. <laughs> but like on a smaller scale with a thoughtful pace, like that kind of thing. I don't know how to say that succinctly. That is a beautiful question. And I can't wait to hear yeah, um, our listeners some... answers. Absolutely. Find us on our Instagram. That's true. Cinebuds. Last thing I want to say is I, I love Michelle Williams and I am fascinated that she began in Dawson's Creek of all places. Yes. I forget that a lot. Mm -hmm. And seeing her choices over the years, once she got to a place where she could kind of make some decisions, she has made such thoughtful, interesting choices for her career. And rarely, I mean, everyone shows up in a 
dud or like a big broad film now and again. Mm-hmm. I think she was in uh, Venom, which oh, is one of yeah. the worst That's of the Marvel films. However, that gets you through and then you can make three of these movies. Right, because it gets you a nice payday, yeah. hopefully. So I really love her choices. And she is impressive in this movie. Like she plays this character. It's kind of subtle, but like the way she held her body, her facial expressions and the way the way she moved and walked, you could tell she put like a lot of skill into playing this seemingly kind of smaller, subtle character. I feel like we all know someone like this in real life, that her character. And for someone who is, you know, when she's glammed up on the red carpet, who is so stunningly beautiful and unique looking, she really does a great job of just disappearing into her roles. And this one, like if I didn't know it was Michelle Williams, in the right. beginning, it might have taken me a really long time, if ever, to figure out yeah. that that's who she was. Like, she just, I don't know. I think you're right. Like, how she holds herself, how she holds her face, makes her muscles maybe make yeah. her look a little bit different. I mean, it's, there weren't prosthetics or anything. Like, no. her hair was different and her clothes but were. But she's hard, she's hard to recognize yeah, despite. She I can love go, that. if she can play this and Marilyn Monroe. In the same lifetime. <laughs> Give that woman some awards. I know. And you were mentioning Dawson's Creek. Um, yeah. That's where I saw her for the first time, too. Did you know she was emancipated from her parents when she was 15 years old? No, I didn't know that. So talk about taking control of your life. And yeah. I'm not saying that probably was great for her, but someone taking control of their life from a young age. It's, oh, wow. She's kind of a boss. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. And speaking of fans, that's a bad segue. (laughs) What else have we been watching? Oh, you want to go first? Yeah, I can go first. What else have I seen? Um, Well, I did just see (laughs) the polar opposite of this film. Mm -hmm. I saw John Wick 4. (gasps) Oh, we watched that too. Did you really? Yes. You know what's what's so funny is I was late to the party, Mm -hmm. uh, as I was for Kelly Riker, to John Wick when I saw originally when it came out. I was like, okay, just it's like another... There's nothing about it that I understood to be interesting. But now that I've seen all four multiple times. um, (laughs) Ooh, interesting. I think this is one of the most consistently good action series I've ever seen. I like all four of them. Like, I don't, I can't really think of one of them that's like, oh, that one's not a good one. Nope. And the fourth one, that's fourth. Usually they're so degraded by this point. Right. I loved it. And it was close to three hours long. Yeah, it was a long one. And there was never a moment, although I did watch this one. I've watched most John Wick movies in the theater. This one I watched from my house. Yeah. So we were able to take little breaks. But there's never a moment where I was like looking at my watch going, come on, guys. Yeah. Violent, yes. Yeah. So violent, but in a way that doesn't connect to my apathy and empathy. So I could actually just enjoy it for like the action sequences and knowing that Keanu Reeves does a lot of his own stunts, his fighting stunts, all that flipping and turning. That's all him. Yeah. It's really impressive Mm -hmm. considering his age and considering how um, I do like the character walks kind of stiff. And I like the idea of it's like, you're still doing it, but you know you got your aches and pains. Mm-hmm. Um, the action in it is so incredibly well choreographed and uh, has a unique style to it too, which I'm always impressed with because it's usually like, okay, here, here's we do the fight, then we do this. It's also involved and in mm-hmm. intricate, and it is nonstop action. All four of the movies are nonstop, and yet they also manage to put all this mythology into it at the same time. 
I mean, it's impressive. It's an impressive series. I like it a lot. There was some return of old favorite characters from the previous three movies. Kind of cool new ones. Some cool new ones, setting it up for maybe a future spinoff of John Wick. Perhaps. Yeah, they do have a. Well, they have a fifth one in already like uh planned Mm -hmm. they also have a tv show called the um oh what's the name of the hotel the um the continental Continental. hotel it's in the beaver building at one wall street court in new york city um i was standing in front of it last time i was in new york we just kind of randomly walked by it i'm like that is the hotel from john wick because it's like a it's a weird kind of triangle sort of looking building Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, they're going to have a series about the hotel. They're going to have a spinoff. And they are going to take another character from the world and within the world of John Wick. But the movie will be focused on this other character. Uh, So, yeah, they're really they're going for it. Awesome. I'm very excited to hear that. Yeah. I have been watching Silo. Um, I'm just going to read this right from in a ruined and toxic future. A community (laughs) exists in a giant underground silo that plunges hundreds of stories deep there. People live in the society full of regulations they believe are meant to protect them. But of course, as it goes on, you quickly kind of discover maybe these people aren't here being protected. They're here to serve a different purpose. It is delightful. That sounds like something I would love. Yeah. uh, Rashida Jones is in the very first episode. But um, man, Tim Robbins plays a major part in the movie. Common is like the head of what they call judicial there. Oh, I remember seeing the poster for this yeah. with all those folks in it. Okay. It's really interesting. And the fact that it, everything is shot within this huge underground silo that goes like f- over 140 stories deep. You know, there's people that live on the bottom that are in mechanical that are thought about of as less than oh, that people yeah, live, yeah, yeah. the middle people or the top people. And yeah. there's like one mayor that runs the whole thing. Like snow and one piercer a little, snow piercer yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But I'm, it looks beautiful. Oh. Never at any point where they're doing sweeping shots or even close-ups where you're like, oh, CGI. Like, it looks oh, like really? they made the, this huge silo. Oh, I'm going to put this on my list as we are talking. Yeah, I will be very excited to... Now, is this a show or is this a... It's a series, oh, yeah. Okay. It's on season one right now. Okay. Because we also finished watching Foundation season one and Foundation season two is coming up. But that's another sci-fi. I've been into sci-fi yeah. stuff lately. Well, it's interesting that so the plot of Silo sounds a little bit like I said, a little bit of Snowpiercer, a little bit of um, High Rise, which is a great sci-fi uh, film that is based on a J.G. Ballard book, which is also fantastic. And there's a horror movie. I'm going to call it a horror movie. It's not like monster horror movie about this sort of <laughs> prison called Platform where this platform starts at the top with food every day and people have a chance to eat until it gets to the bottom where there's often none I watched that. It's called um, Gordon Ramsay's The (laughs) Love... Wait, what's it called? That kitchen (laughs) kitchen competition? (laughs) No, there's like three levels. The top level gets the food and the fancy equipment. And then the third level, people have to cook in the basement with like (laughs) crappy... And they get everyone's I mean, leftover ingredients. What? I'm fascinated that they they took a plot Next from like, I'm, I think it's like a Spanish, like horror sci-fi movie. And they made it into a reality show that, that in my mind, that's what happened. Yeah. There's no way that they took it from that. No. Movie, but or I, that they had original idea. I like to believe it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Now we both have a lot of new stuff yeah, to watch. Yeah, that's exciting. There's a whole new genre. I don't know what to call it yet. 
hierarchy sci-fi. Literally. Something like that. Um, well, this was great. This was great. I hope you guys had a good time listening. Yeah. Thank you so much for sticking around. We do really appreciate everyone who subscribes to this podcast. Yeah. And if you don't, or if you do, just tell one person this week about yeah. it that might enjoy it and help us grow. Yeah, post about it online on the Soshis. Beep boops. Uh, we would like to thank our dear Kiri Salinas for producing our show. I'd like to thank our dear Brett Newski for our theme song. Yeah, thank you. And we would like to thank our sponsors, the wonderful Associated Bank. And... I care and I wear on the lake. Yeah. And we could not do this without the wonderful members here at Radio Milwaukee and here at Milwaukee Film. I couldn't do this without you, KP. And I, you, Dory. Mm, smooches. Yeah, we're showing up for each other. That's what I friends made, do. I made it connect to the movie somehow. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you soon. Bye.